Hello, we've been expecting you. Or I guess I've been expecting you because I'm by myself. Welcome to Thoughts from Aunt Wu, the Avatar podcast where we know the future. This is not our discussion of book two, episode, I don't know, The Drill. We are going to be taking a break this week because last week something came out that's very interesting. The first Legend of Korra comic, The Turf Wars. Now, we have kind of discussed the comics a little bit in passing throughout the episodes, and we will talk about the Avatar comics when they come out. And this is not going to be the main Thoughts from Wu discussion on Turf Wars Part 1, or even Turf Wars in general, because there's still two more comics to come out, and I'd like to know what happens in them to really judge this, and B, we're not even into the series of Legend of Korra um, yet. So this is not going to be a full-on review where we rate things out of 10 and I talk to my full panel. Instead, this is going to be a little bit different. This time around, I thought I would give both a little bit of background about myself, where the podcast came from, and my thoughts in general about Turf Wars Part 1. I'll put a link as to when spoilers for the uh, comic start. However, as always, there's going to be spoilers. So if you want to go in completely blind to Turf Wars, I would ignore this until you've read it. However, if you'd like, if you have read it or if you don't care about spoilers, then this is a great place to check out. So first things first, if you are a longtime listener of the show, whenever I have a guest on who's not my normal panel, I open with a discussion of what is your... um, Experience with Avatar. What, what was your experience with The Last Airbender, and, and, and how was it that you first came about this show? And the reason I do that is because I like to, you know, let people kind of express this is a show that for many people was a really important part of both their childhood, them growing up. It was a show that really taught them about what is great television and something that people had a ton of really good memories for. I know personally I had really good memories for The Last Airbender growing up. And it was one of the, you know, one of my favorite shows, was my favorite show of all time, of course. You know, I'm hosting this podcast. Now, where the podcast came from, if you want to get really into it, is I loved The Last Airbender. And it was a great show I was growing up, great show as a child. And then it ended, and I thought, wow, really, really good show, really, you know, really well done. And when I was in college, I heard about The Legend of Korra, that it was coming out, that there was this sequel coming, it was made by the same creators, and it was going to be, you know, in the future, it was going to be a little bit different. And to be completely honest, I went in with very low expectations. I went in thinking, like many great pieces of um, story that we've seen, that lightning doesn't strike twice, that the second time through is never as good as the first. Star Wars is probably the best example of this, where the prequels were a complete disaster in comparison to the original, and a lot of that for me had to do with the fact that it's so hard to create this tight-knit story, and then when you try and do it a second time, you run into all of these pitfalls, and it becomes really problematic. So I avoided Korra for quite a while. Eventually, I decided, you know what, let me give it a shot. I loved Avatar, let me see. I watched some of book one, and I hated it. I hated everything about it. I hated the technology. I hated the new structure of not really traveling, staying in one place. And most importantly, I hated Korra, the person. I thought she was annoying. She was brash. She was just not someone I enjoyed being around as a viewer. And for a story called The Legend of Korra, especially... Uh, core compared to Avatar being a lot more focused on a singular character, it really turned me off. So I stopped. I stopped in the middle of book one. I didn't finish. 
then at a certain point later on, I figured, you know what? Let me give it another chance. I watched books one and two. And once again, eh, book two, we all know has its problems. There were a few bright spots. Beginnings one and two are, you know, were I could see from day one were fantastic episodes, but they were so out of the narrative that they felt like, oh, this was a great little movie inside Korra, but not really Korra as a whole. And again, I put it down. I thought, you know, one day I'll come back to it. I'll watch books three and four, but you know what? Not right now. About a little over a year and a half ago, uh, for whatever reason, I had a lot of time on my hands. I had actually just finished binging um, a couple of CW shows, Arrow and Flash, and I needed something else to watch. And I thought, you know what? Let me go back. Let me just finish Core. I want to know what happens. I want to know like what happened to Aang's kids. I, I, let's see what this world is like. So I watched it. I watched books one and two, and I knew it was going to happen, so I was a little bit less concerned about the problems. But whatever, they were still there. And then I watched book three, and something funny happened. It was great. It was a really, really good show again. All of these things were suddenly fixed. It was enjoyable. The narrative worked. The villains were great. Everything was phenomenal. Then I went to book four, and book four was great. It was This show was really, really good. And I thought, all right, let me go back and watch the show start to finish. And personally for me, I'm someone who prefers a show very often the second time through. I think that the second time through a show for me is usually the best viewing. Sometimes the third and fourth is even better than that. Because once I've removed the suspense of what happens, once I'm not worried about the plot, I can actually focus on the things that matter. The characters, the character development, the intricacies of the world, all of these things, all the setup that's happening early on, and I can appreciate it. And I'm not focused on, wait a minute, what's going to happen next? Is this character going to survive? Is this, you know, how are they going to deal with this outcome in this episode or in this entire story arc? Um, So... The second time through Korra was a lot better. Some of that is just, I prefer a show a second time. However, in reality, what I realized was all of these things that I didn't like about Korra's character and all of these things I didn't like about the initial narrative suddenly became a lot more enjoyable because of where I knew they were going. By the end, Korra becomes a fantastic character with all of these different facets, all of this development, much more maturity, and it's actually better I like her more considering how much I hated her back in the beginning because I know how far she came. I know how much she had to mature based on where she was in the beginning. And thinking through it more and more, I realized, oh, it actually makes sense that Korra is like this. It makes sense that a character who's been cut off from anyone their own age and cut off from the world would be a very different, would have trouble with acting with people their own age, would have trouble with relationships, would have a misshapen sense of identity. All of that makes sense and actually brightens the narrative and makes it a lot better. When I first finished Korra, the, the finished the second viewing, I thought to myself, wow, that was a really good show. No, not as good as The Last Airbender. Maybe not as good as, say, Game of Thrones, some of the other, you know, really top-level television. Somewhere around an 8.3. You know my rating scale. You know where that is. You know, an 8.3. Very, very good, but just a hair below that highest echelon. And the more I thought about it and the more... I kind of watched other episodes and maybe watched a season, you know, book three again or book four again and watching clips and, and this and that and thinking more and more. The more I've thought about it and the more distance I've gotten from it, the more I've liked it. The more I've liked Korra to the point where now I actually think Korra is right around the same level. I still would give the edge to The Last Airbender between the two. However, I'm very curious to see what I'm going to think of both shows after having watched each of them 
completely in the eyes of the podcast, making notes and really dissecting, picking them apart. Um, and look, as you've seen, it's not like I'm being negative about the last Airbender at all. I've I've given you know quite a few episodes, you know, really great ratings. Last week I gave an episode of nine point nine, which was an absolutely phenomenal episode. And I think the last Airbender does certain things a lot better. I think Core does a lot of things a lot better. Now, where the podcast came from really stems though from the question of the Legend of Korra books one and two, which is, can a show that starts off poor become better because you know where it's going? Is If we look at it through the lens, as we do on this podcast, if we know the future, we know what's going to happen, does that fundamentally change the understanding of the show? And I think that it does. I think that once you know where Korra is going, Books one and two become a lot better. Now, obviously, we haven't gotten there yet, and we haven't given our ratings, and we don't know. I'm not 100% sure about this, but I really do think that second time through and the third time through, rewatching episodes, I appreciated things a lot more because I knew where they were going. So the podcast really came out of answering that question. How, could, how do I feel about this show? Not episode to episode, not how is this episode in a vacuum, which most people is how most people rate episodes, but instead, how does this episode fit into the overall narrative of the show, both knowing the past and knowing the future? And of course, we can't really go into the future if we don't start at the beginning of book one, episode one of The Last Airbender. And of course, it's an excuse to talk about The Last Airbender, which is a show that I love a ton as well. Now, you know, if you listen a lot, that we do kind of go on tangents about Korra, but we haven't gotten really deep into it until, and we really won't until we get another year and a half in, when we actually get to the start of Legend of Korra. However, I will say at this outset that I adore the finale of Korra. I think that overall the finale is really well crafted. I think it's a very solid, just solid and strong episode of television, but the last two minutes are absolutely phenomenal. And as much as I may go on about my love for Katang in The Last Airbender, a lot of that, to be completely honest, is kind of there to mess with my co-hosts because they are Zutara shippers. And I certainly favor Katang. It is definitely the ship that I prefer. I'm not as passionate about it as other things, but it is fun to kind of make fun of Corey and Lindsay because they are Zutara shippers. And I really hate, I I would say this, I hate Zutara a lot more than I like Katang. Um... But I do, in fact, like Katak. That is not true in The Legend of Korra. I absolutely adore Korasami. I think it is one of the most expertly written and designed romantic relationships I've ever seen. Even better with the fact that it's not abundantly clear that the writer, when the writers actually decided that this was going to happen and was even a possible thing that could happen. Now, yes, I'm a crazy person. I've written 28 pages on why I think Kurosami is incredible and all of the buildup that comes throughout the show. And I'll probably publish that at some point uh, on the website if you want to read through just babbling and babbling about why Kurosami is great. But suffice it to say, I adore that ship. So this comic for me, the, the, the Korra comics, were really exciting because of the possibility of seeing Korra and Asami's relationship. I read, I've read the, all the Avatar comics so far except North and South, and they are really good, and some of them are actually phenomenal. I think that Smoke and Shadow um, is absolutely incredible. I think there's some really interesting and dynamic things going on within the Fire Nation, and we will talk about that when we get um, to the comics. We will talk about the comics uh, when we get done with The Last Airbender. Um, but for me, the comics were really more of, this was a fun novelty, a fun thing to add to the story, a fun way to reconnect with some characters from The Last Airbender that... Um, 
that I miss being around. But for the most part, I kind of considered them a separate entity all to themselves. The Last Airbender is a show. The comic's kind of in the middle. That is not true with the, the, the Korra comics. The Korra comics for me were really interesting because, and one of the things that I go into in my, what I call my dissertation on Korasami, is how Korasami, the ending is not the culmination of their relationship, which it kind of is for, for Ang and Katara, but instead the beginning. It's the very beginning of two people realizing that they have feelings for each other and are going to pursue this relationship. So getting to see that relationship in the comics was an incredibly exciting possibility and something I really wanted to see. And when the comics were finally announced, it was like, oh my God, I'm so happy that this is coming out. And then they were delayed. It was sad. But finally, they're here. The Legend of Korra Turf Wars Part 1 is out. I got it on, you know, I had it pre-ordered. I got it. I read it. I read it in one sitting. And it is really, really good. Now, I'm going to say at the outset that one thing about the comics that you're just going to have to accept is they are going to, they get quite political, especially when it comes to LGBT issues within the world of Avatar The Last Airbender. Now, if that's something you have a problem with, then you know what? I don't care. I, I really can't help you. I can't talk to you. That's not something that, if that's a, pro, a serious problem that you have, then that's something you need to work out for yourself and you know realize that people should love who they love. That said, if what you are looking for is just more fun narratives and just kind of the kind of hijinks that, that go on, yes, there's a little of it, but it does get more political than your typical Avatar um, piece of media. And that's just something that I think you want to be aware of going in because if you're not expecting it, it can come a little bit, oh my God, they're really like going for this is an explanation, an exploration of LGBT issues within the world of Avatar which is a very interesting thing, and I think they handle it very well, but it is something to keep in mind as you go in. Now, the second thing I want to say about the comics are, the, for the most part, part one is definitely entirely built on bridging the gap from the finale to the start of this story. This is not getting, we really don't get into the deep narrative that is going to be Turf Wars. There is some setup. We do end on a, in a very interesting place, and there's a lot of interesting discussion that's going on, but I'm really, from a, the standpoint of how do I think this story is going to go, it really depends on Turf Wars Part 2 and Turf Wars Part 3 to understand whether or not this is going to be, the narrative itself is going to be great, or if it's going to be anything else. Because really, all we get is one real major bit of action around the Spirit Portal, and that's about it. Now, as for my direct thoughts about the the comics and the things that are brought up. First and foremost, it is, as with most of the Avatar comics, absolutely gorgeous. There are some incredibly beautiful panels, just some really incredible art. I think that they capture characters' voices really well, um, I, especially Bolin, just as a, as a character who has a very unique and, and very memorable um, voice within the show. He They capture his voice very, very well, um, and a, a few others. We do get to see a lot of characters. Uh, it was something that surprised me. I was kind of expecting, like in the Avatar comics, that we were going to kind of restrict ourselves to a couple of characters here and there and and kind of, okay, each part would kind of have like a new side character thrown in. But no, we really get to see, you know, whether it's um, Korra's parents, um, Lin, uh, Mako and Bolin, Korra and Asami, Tenzin, Jinora. Like, we get to see even President Raiko. Like, we see a lot of characters, even, you know, quite a few side ones. So, um, 
that's something, and it does a pretty good job of balancing that. I do think that it bounces a little bit quickly, um, which to some degree is kind of just the nature of comics that you don't have the same connective tissue. You're filling in a lot of stuff with uh, within your head. But that is just an, you know, another thing to keep in mind as you go in. Now, as for the main central theme of the comics as Turf Wars, which is going to be about these conflicts between the spirit world and the human world now that there's a new spirit portal within Republic City is interesting. Now, I know that there's been a lot, there was a lot of debate at the end of the finale about like what, where the world was and what the sort of interesting thing that we were going to see. Now, personally for me, the thing I wanted to see the most was actually the um, desolation of the Earth Kingdom monarchy and, and seeing how the Earth Kingdom was going to become turned into kind of a democratic state based on what Prince Wu said in the finale. That's not what we're getting here. That said, we, of course, are going to probably have more comics. So there's a very real chance that that's going to be the, the theme of the next one. Um, we do get, that said, the other big thing is the new spirit portal in Republic City, which is obviously a big deal and something that really has radically changed both the world and Republic City itself. Um, I think that that's handled pretty well. I think it's handled in a, in a realistic way because it makes sense that a human would Oh, if he did, in fact, own that land, would attempt to profit off of it. That, that's a pretty reasonable thing to say. Um, also, the idea of a fallen city like this that, that you know, Kuvira had completely leveled would descend into quite a bit of crime and destruction where, you know, local crime lords would be looking to, you know, consolidate their power. And in, and in fact, we see one specific one consolidating all of his power and, and becoming kind of this leader. Again, makes a lot of sense. I think that that, that, that feels right with where we are post-finale. Um, I think the one thing, the, the stuff with President Raiko for me is a little bit meh, especially as someone who like lives and breathes politics. The discussion of poll numbers got a little bit like, okay, I'm, I'm not, not entirely sure we needed, needed that, but whatever. That said, the theme of, the main theme of this comic, the thing that we're talking about is Korin Asami's relationship and how that is, be, is going to be perceived within the Avatar world. Now, something that I know did get on some people about about The Last Airbender was the fact that throughout the entire narrative, we do not see a single, ex any people uh, LGBTQ. We don't see anyone who is, who is gay. Um, whether that is, it was a children's show in the you know late 2000s uh, and they thought that would be unacceptable or people didn't think about it, really doesn't matter. The fact is, we didn't see it, and that's kind of a problem. I mean, while The Last Airbender is obviously not the the real world, they are talking about real issues. We do get into very deep discussions of racism. Listen to the podcast last week, and you'll see they're talking about a refugee crisis and how that can affect and, and how people are affected by war. So they don't exactly shy away from major issues, but for whatever reason, there isn't. And that's always kind of been this one kind of hanging problem that, that we just didn't have any people who are of an identity that a lot of people on earth, you know, are. That's just, that's how people, you know, how people are. And of course, the finale of Korra really was this groundbreaking moment in this moment that, wow, we had a uh, the heroine of a major American television series, you know, again, made for children who was bisexual. Um, and that it was kind of a landmark moment. We've had a lot of progress since then. And I do actually plan to do a full-on discussion of LGBTQ issues in media as a whole and how that um, is 
and where Cora fits into that in general. That being said, I think that what I am really happy about is that I think they handle it within this comic in a really mature and reasonable way. I think that it works because, one, it makes sense that the where each of the nations seem to be, I, I completely would understand that the Earth Kingdom would probably be the one lagging the most behind. The Water Tribes being kind of somewhere in the middle, a little bit weird because I, I think the Northern Water Tribes should probably have more issues with this than they are considering what we saw with regarding sexism back in, um, you know, in The Last Airbender, but we'll, we can get into that, you know, we'll, we'll see a little bit more about that. The air, Airbenders, that makes perfect sense. You know, we don't know enough about Airbender culture, and I think it, 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 it flows with what we've known about freedom and how they're, you know, letting people be the kind of be who they are. That makes a lot of sense. Um, I'm not entirely in love with the idea that Sozin is the one who restricted um, you know, just, I guess, gay marriage within the Fire Nation. I think that's a little bit of a cop-out, if I'm being honest, because it feels like, well, obviously we just took the big bad, the guy who started the war, Sozin, and we made him the one who restricted, you know, something like this. I, I think that that's a little bit too simple and a little bit too, like, easy, and I really would have wished that it was either we could have Maybe had it be like someone like a Zulon who we see quite a bit less of and really know nothing about, or something a little bit further back in the Fire Nation and, and kind of allow it to just not be, oh, well, obviously we needed someone in the Fire Nation to be a bad guy. Let's make it Sozin. That's an easy thing to do. So, but with that said, I, I think that what is expressed throughout it makes a lot of sense. I think that the um, Cora's parents' reaction is very honest. And I think that while Cora is is shaken by it. I think that it, for me, it actually works really well. I think that these are two people who, while you wish that they would be looking out entirely for Cora um, as a person and what she, you know, th- th- this this thing that she's going through and discovering about herself, they also know what the world is like and they want to protect her and want to shield her. And they're saying like, look, we understand, you know, we're not saying we're unaccepting. We're just saying other people in the world are and you should be cognizant of that. Yet, I also think it makes perfect sense that Cora is extremely, um, you know, that that hurts Cora because she's being forced to realize that, wow, this, you know, this is not something that everyone's going to accept. And she wants people to just be excited and be all in the way that she is. And, and especially her parents to kind of to feel like, wow, they even like even they feel like something about this is not normal or not right. That hurts her. And I, you know, I, I completely understand why. That is. As for um, Kaya's place, the fact that you know we discovered that Kaya, you know, is you know is gay. I think that works. I think that makes a lot of sense. I think a lot of people kind of expected that, um, just just based on being this character who you know never married and, and seemed to be this free spirit, you know, both water and, and airbender. Um, I also think that the the idea that Kyoshi um, was also bisexual. Um, I, I've read, I read a really interesting uh, take, and I'll, I'll put a link to it in the description or, or somewhere on the website, um, about how maybe all avatars would be bisexual. That That's something about the fact that for avatars, the their connection to past lives and the fact that their past lives did have um, you know relationships. We know that Aang was with Katara, and on some level, Korra is Aang. Uh, you know, there, there, is, there is a reincarnation thing. We, we see it. You know, somewhat throughout the story about things like Korra saying, um, referring to Wan's teapot as her teapot. We know that, you know, 
and kind of refers to Kiyoshi a little bit in the first person. And so on some level, they are reincarnations. So it, it kind of stands to reason that maybe all avatars, at least on some level, can love, are, are, are going to be connected to people of, of both genders. Um, all in all, I am really excited for the rest of Turf Wars. I think that it's in a really good place. I'm, you know, extraordinarily happy to see Koronasami's relationship burgeoning. Um, and I look forward to seeing more of that. I, I kind of wished we were at January already and we could just kind of jump into the next one. Um, it's kind of the one unfortunate thing that kind of the weird thing being that I watched because I didn't watch Korra until so late. I didn't ever, I never had to stop. I could just watch it straight through. So it's kind of, um, kind of a little bit annoying that like I actually have to stop in the middle of a in the middle of the narrative and you know i can't get it immediately um yeah so thank you guys for listening to this i know it's a little you know a lot shorter than our normal episodes but i just wanted to talk a little bit about turf wars and a little bit myself um here because i think that it's important for you guys to know you know where i stand and what my um and kind of what my background is um so thank you guys for tuning in as always tune in you know next week we should be back with our regular thoughts about Wu episode uh discussing the Drill, which I think is one of the most entertaining episodes of the series, and I, I really look forward to that. Um, next, after that, also check in, check out Mondays at 8.30, our Game of Thrones show. Um, last week we were a little bit late, and you can always follow us, you know, see us on YouTube, but The Crossroads Inn, uh, we only have two episodes left of this season of Game of Thrones. Um, if you really want to hear me and Corey argue like madmen, you can hear that, because uh, we do a lot of it. Um, so that's you know really interesting. And with that, I will see you guys soon.